1: need something original and affordable for mother's day etsy has it shop until may 12th for up to 30 percent off gifts for mom terms apply
2: tonight on this special edition of 60 minutes presents grammy night we look back at the time we spent with beyonce you have a really sort of clean-cut wholesome reputation and then out there on the stage you're a seductress
0: Okay, thanks. (laughs) I'll take that.
2: (laughs) Then we turn to her competitor for tonight's record of the year and best pop solo honors, Adele.
3: Did you ever feel pressure to, well, I gotta look a certain way. I
4: I don't wanna be some skinny mini with my (laughs) I really don't wanna do it. Um, (laughs) And I don't want people confusing what it is that I'm about.
2: Also on Grammy night, Bruno Mars. He'll perform later, but you'll get to know him again here on 60 Minutes Presents. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good evening. I'm Steve Croft. Welcome to 60 Minutes Presents. Tonight's biggest Grammy Awards, those for album, song, and record of the year, look to be a showdown between two of music's most talented women, Adele and Beyoncé. We've spent time with both of them in the past, Beyoncé in 2010, Adele in 2012, and they showed us that their approach to success is vastly different. But they also have a lot more in common than just their first-name-only identities as pop singers. Already multiple Grammy Award winners, already among the world's biggest concert draws, they're also two of the biggest success stories of the last year. Beyoncé with her acclaimed album, Lemonade, and Adele with her latest album, 25, the best-selling album of 2016 and 2015. We found that there is a lot to admire about both of these women, especially when you hear them sing. First, an excerpt from our story with Beyoncé. She's a polished product that's been years in the making, a fiercely talented performer with a million kilowatts of energy, and a role model who has been strong enough to strut around all the usual pitfalls of fame.
0: I am definitely someone that analyzes everything, and I made the decision at a very young age to not do certain things.
2: No drugs, no eating disorders, no bad relationships, no breakdowns due to overwhelming pressure. It takes a certain amount of discipline, yeah, I it guess. it takes
0: discipline and it takes focus. And I think I'm very fortunate that I've had a gradual success. It's not something that happened in one day. It's something that I've worked at and worked at.
2: With her best friend Kelly Rowland and two other pals from Houston, they began winning talent contests. And by the time they were 16, the quartet had morphed into Destiny's Child,
0: did,
2: one of the most successful pop groups of the 90s. Homeschooled, underaged, and traveling with her parents on the road, Beyonce skipped the boys and the after parties and passed the time on the tour bus with the other girls reading the Bible.
0: Lord God, we thank you for this day.
2: There's still a prayer before every show, but since Beyoncé began her own solo career, a lot of things have changed. And that shy girl from Houston who was a late bloomer in terms of her own sexuality has obviously been a quick study. Parts of her show would make a preacher blush. You have a really sort of clean-cut, wholesome reputation, and then out there on the stage, You're a seductress.
0: Okay, thanks. (laughs) I'll take that.
2: (laughs) You're seducing the audience.
0: Really, I don't think about it too much. I'm just free. And I can express my sensuality. I can express my pain, um, vulnerability, my strength, all of those things.
2: Where did you learn all that stuff?
0: Well, just because I had a sheltered upbringing doesn't mean I haven't been a woman. I'm a woman that has had life experiences.
2: <laughs> and that now brings us to Adele. Anderson Cooper first reported on the British star in 2012, the year she won six
1: Grammys. You have my... A-
3: Adele's music is intensely personal. She sings almost exclusively about love and the men whose love she's lost. She wrote this song, Rolling in the Deep, Heartbroken and Angry, the day after breaking up with her boyfriend. This song became the top-selling single of 2011 and catapulted her to global stardom. Did you ever feel pressure to... Well, I gotta look a certain way. I no, have
4: to- never. I've never seen magazine covers and seen music videos and been like, I need to look like that if I wanna be a success. Never. I don't wanna be some skinny mini with my t at. I really don't wanna do it. <laughs> um, and I don't want people confusing what it is that I'm about. <laughs> I'm, I'm not shocking. I just stand
3: there and sing and I don't do stunts or anything. But I think that's one of the, the things that is so remarkable about your success and, is that you're kind of the anti-pop star. I mean, you're not... <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there, there aren't any gimmicks. It's basically the power of, of your voice and, and, and what you're singing.
4: If I wanted to do all that, I don't think I'd get away with it. I, I just, I don't think people would believe me.
3: But in your songs, I think people believe yeah. that you have experienced what you're singing. Yeah. About. I think that comes through.
4: I'm just writing love songs, I'm not trying to be pop, I'm not trying to be jazz, I'm not trying to be anything, I'm just writing love songs. And everyone loves a love song. Sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it hurts instead. Sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it hurts instead.
3: Someone like you has become another Adele anthem, written about that same boyfriend who broke her heart.
4: Never. I wrote that to feel better about myself, really. And it was about trying to convince myself that I will will meet someone else and I will be happy.
3: And you have met someone else.
4: Yeah, who is much better than him. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, next time I see someone like you, I'm going to be like, never mind, I found someone like you. Please forget me. (laughs)
2: new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Bruno Mars is one of the world's biggest music stars, and he's one of the most driven people we've ever seen. He's just 31, and as we first showed you last November, the product of what he calls a school of rock education, a working-class life of experiences that have taught him the music business. None of it came easily. He's been broke, busted, and nearly homeless. But tonight he'll be at the center of the music universe when he performs on the Grammy Awards. To show us how he got there, Bruno Mars did something he's never done. He shared with Laura Logan some of the toughest moments of his Hawaiian upbringing and gave us the opportunity to witness his extraordinary skills as a songwriter and a producer. We begin with Bruno Mars' The Entertainer.
5: this show in Connecticut was his first public concert of the year hey. and he used it as a tune-up for the release of his new album and world tour to follow on every song and every note from arenas to halftime of the super bowl he and his band the hooligans perform full throttle His standards are high, because the legends of music set them. I just really care
6: about what people see. I want them to know that I'm, I'm working hard for this. The artists I look up to like, you know, Michael, Prince, James Brown. You watch them and you understand that they're paying attention to the details of their art. And they care so much about what they're wearing, about how they're moving, about how they're making the audience feel, and not phoning it in. They're going up there to murder anybody that performs after them or performs before them. That's what I've watched my whole life and admired.
5: He is a throwback. You see it in the choreography on stage. and hear it in the songs themselves, descendants of the generations that came before him. When I listen to your songs, Mm -hmm. you can hear all those people that you've listened to over the years.
6: A lot of people are really quick to say, that song sounds like this, or he's trying to sound like this. And I'm always like, you're damn right I am. That's how, that's why we're all here. You know, we all grew up idolizing another musician. That's how this works. That's how music is created.
5: The musical education of Bruno Mars began in his hometown, Honolulu, Hawaii. He was born Peter Hernandez, to a Puerto Rican father and Filipino mother, parents who were professional musicians, Performing together in the tourist showrooms of Waikiki Beach. Their act was called The Love Notes. Hey Bruno,
6: are you ready to rock it
5: And when Bruno was four years old, his parents included him in the family business. He played Little Elvis, and it's when he first learned he could steal the show. The little Elvis' routine lasted six years, but the lessons of his parents' Vegas-style Waikiki entertainment review have lasted a lifetime.
6: You know, it's like school of rock for me, and it was just this kind of razzle-dazzle lifestyle.
5: That's real showbiz.
6: Yeah, show business, you know? Right? If you wasn't hitting those notes and the audience wasn't uh, freaking out, then you weren't doing it right
5: by the time he turned 12 his parents divorced and the family band broke up money was tight his four sisters moved in with his mom he and his brother lived with his dad
6: on top of this building on top of this building
5: anywhere they could
6: my dad was just the king of finding these little spots for us to stay that we should never have been staying at but you were like homeless people yeah no yeah for sure we was in a limousine at once
5: 1984 limousine sleeping in the back of a car on top of buildings and this place so this is where you lived yeah paradise park a bird zoo where his dad took a job this was the first time he'd been back here since even people who work with him haven't heard this part of his story
6: where we were staying at first yeah didn't have a bathroom so we'd have to walk across the park to this other spot that had a bathroom.
5: Wow. In the in, And sometimes in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. When the park closed, they stayed, moving into this one-room building. Right this here. was your house? If yeah. You, they lived here for more than two years. Just so people don't think we're crazy, yeah. it did not look like this. It had a roof. It had a roof. It didn't have plants growing inside. It didn't have
6: plants growing inside. I don't know what happened to the roof, but the bed would be right there in the middle.
5: Yeah, and you'd all sleep in one bed.
6: We'd all sleep in one bed.
5: Happy memories. The best. That is kind of amazing. Yeah. And that what you remember about it is not the struggle or the things you didn't have. It's all the things you you
6: had. Yeah. We had it all. You know, we had each other. And it never felt like it was the end of the world. It's all right, we don't got, we don't got electric today. It's all right, it's temporary. It's temporary. We're going to figure this out. You know, maybe that's why I have this mentality when it comes to the music. Because I know I'm going to figure it out. Just give me some time.
5: So he headed for Los Angeles, where he was quickly signed by Motown Records gone was his given name of peter hernandez branding himself bruno mars instead bruno his childhood nickname mars shooting for the stars the name stuck but the record contract didn't motown dropped him with no hit songs of his own and dead broke he started over writing and producing songs for other artists with friends ari levine and philip lawrence They were starving musicians. Inspired by the hustle just to pay for food, they came up with this song. I want to be a billionaire, so freaking bad. It led to another record deal of his own. His career as a songwriter and performer was finally on track.
6: Just the
5: way you are. about that time though he was arrested for possession of two and a half grams of cocaine from the outside you really seem to keep it together and to be very professional and you know very committed, but you nearly threw it all away.
6: I did something very stupid. I'm in Las Vegas Laura I'm twenty four years old I'm you know. Drinking way more than I'm supposed to be drinking. And it was so early in my career. And I always say that I think it had to happen. That was the reality check I needed. And i I promised myself that, that you know, you're never gonna read about that. Again. Catch a for
5: Headlines for Hits, not drug busts have been his narrative ever since. Capped by two Super Bowl halftime performances in three years. And three Grammys, including Record of the Year, for his collaboration with producer Mark Ronson, Uptown Funk. It's the biggest hit in a career full of them. How difficult is it to write a song that's
6: great? Uptown Funk took us almost a year to write. There's songs that take, that's taken us two hours to write, and we throw them away. Uptown Funk was in the trash can about ten times. Really? Yeah. Why? Because we made a lot of, you know, you could make a left turn, and all of a sudden the song is something terrible, embarrassing almost. But you have this one thing that keeps you going. There's one part of the song that feels so good and it makes you want to keep going. and It makes you want to keep, that oh, would you just try again? Let's try again, let's try again.
5: He told us the conception of much of his music begins in this California recording studio. This is it, la. Over the last two the years, he's time. been on lockdown here, Wait, trying to answer times? the challenge created yeah. from his run of big this hits, especially his? his last one
6: this album it was daunting because coming off of uptown funk was like the biggest song i've ever been a part of and i mean like all right now what are you gonna do
5: Mm. this is what he came up with his new album 24 karat magic The title song is already another massive hit. He showed us how they built the song from the drums up. That's how it starts. And then? Oh, come on. Come on.
6: (laughs) And then we can put some sparkle on it. Like, put put a little magic dust on it. See that? is locking, right? Yeah. Feel good yet? Yes. And you add the sauce, the secret sauce. You ready? Mm-hmm. That's it. what yes. about cat magic.
5: It's easy to see that Bruno Mars loves the only job he's ever wanted. And that he's still driven to get it right. I was built for this, Laura. It's dedicating
6: yourself to your craft. Spending thousands of hours in the studio learning how to write a song, learning how to play different chords training yourself to sing you know to get better and better
5: are you there no
6: not even close here. Nice shot.
2: welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it.
3: Something unusual happened on the way to the Grammy Awards this past year. An album was nominated from Malawi, a small country in southern Africa not exactly famous for its music. The artists weren't polished pop stars, but prisoners and guards, men and women in a place called Zamba, a maximum security prison so decrepit and overcrowded we heard it referred to as the waiting room of hell. How could such beautiful music come from such misery? We went to Malawi to find out. This is the music that brought us to Malawi, one of the least developed nations on the planet. It's a place of staggering beauty. There's vast mountains, lush forests, and a long, idyllic lake. Drive through the countryside, however, and you quickly see poverty is widespread. The country is 17 million people. Life is full of hardships. Zamba is Malawi's only maximum security prison, and the music you're hearing comes from behind these walls.
6: The prison was built
3: to hold around 400 inmates. Today, there are 2,400 here. What's so startling when you walk into the prison yard on a Sunday morning is that everywhere you turn, there is music, a cacophony of choirs. here are hardened criminals, robbers, rapists, murderers. Others are casualties of a legal system that can be chaotic and arbitrary, where court files are routinely lost and most suspects have no legal representation. In a small room off the yard, there's a prison band practicing every day on donated instruments. Those men in green are guards. They play side-by-side with inmates. Ian Brennan, an American producer who travels the world recording new music in unlikely places, heard about Zamba and three years ago flew to Malawi to check it out. You're taking a gamble because you go to places you don't necessarily know what's there no right? no no we, we have no idea it's a leap of faith every single time his was not the only leap of faith officer thomas bonamo took one too he helped found the prison band eight years ago and wasn't sure what to think the day ian brennan showed up
1: i was quite surprised because i couldn't understand how this guy knew about us and why would he be interested in our prison
3: It's not every day a white American knocks on the prison door and says he wants to come in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's not every day.
3: What took you so long? Brennan saw promise in this prison and the possibility of an album, so he set up his microphones and asked anyone interested to write and sing songs about their
1: lives.
3: Men and women Inmates and guards It was something most
7: had never done before
6: What
3: were you
7: hoping to find? Well, uh, you know, the thing we look for everywhere Which is, you know, music that resonates with us This is what moves me and hopefully it'll move someone else And when you hear it, you know it Yeah, you feel it usually. Even if you don't understand the words right away. Oh, you don't. It's better when you don't understand the words, because when you don't understand the words, you have to listen to what somebody means, not what they're saying, and if they mean it. Officer Benamo was reluctant to
3: write and sing about his life, but when he did, Ian Brennan knew his music would be on the album. Just listen to what he came up with one morning when we were there. A softly sung ballad about the sudden death of his wife. You left without saying goodbye, he sings. You left behind the children too. They no longer cry.
7: writes songs and plays as beautifully as someone can. Whoa. He's reached that level of transcendence where it can't be better um, than it is. It just is. It's something that just hits you. To
3: fully appreciate the music here, you have to see the misery. But when we arrived at Zamba, authorities didn't want us to show what life is like for the prisoners. So much of what we filmed, we had to record secretly, without the guards knowing. Inmates in Zamba are fed just one meal a day – a small bowl of gruel made out of corn flour. The menu, we're told, rarely changes. On good days, they get a few beans. On bad days, inmates say, there's no food at all. Chikonde Selenje sang on the album nominated for Grammy. He's doing time for burglary. Do you eat meat, chicken, beef? <laughs> You're laughing, that's not good When was the last time you had meat?
0: 2014 By 25
3: December Two and a half years ago? Christmas Day Yeah It's not just the lack of food Zamba is so overcrowded Prisoners say they only have enough room in their cells To sleep wedged against one another Lying on their sides Stefano Narenda also sang on the album
2: so we, so you' silly
3: but you're sleeping on your side.
2: When you want to turn,
6: you have to do it together.
3: And they're right next to each other
2: How do you sleep? We just sleep. We have no choice. Stefano
3: is in for robbery and he's HIV positive, as are around a quarter of Zamba's inmates. They occasionally get visits from an Italian nun, Sister Anna Tomasi, who runs a small charity providing some food and legal aid to prisoners. If you were writing a, a postcard to somebody who had never been to this prison, how would you describe
6: it here? I think it's impossible for somebody outside to get... Uh, there are no words which could explain because... I think, what life is like here? Yes, I think before you came three days ago, if I had written anything, would... Do you think you could have had a clue? No. Sometimes I, I call it, it's the waiting room of hell.
3: That's what this prison is like sometimes. Yes. Yeah. If it is the waiting room of hell, salvation for Chikonde Selenje comes from music.
1: When I'm singing, I feel like I'm in another world. I don't feel like I'm in prison at all. It's only when I stop that I realize, oh, I'm still in prison. When I'm singing, I forget about everything else. When the music stops that's when you realize you're in prison. When we are singing, the walls are no longer there, but when we stop, the walls return, and then we're back to counting the bricks again. (laughs) Chikande wouldn't have to
3: count the bricks much longer. After five years here, he was about to get released, and when we were there, recorded a new song for Ian Brennan. It's about leaving prison and his fears of life as a free man. Don't call me a criminal, he sings. When I get home, they'll reject me. If something goes missing, they'll accuse me of stealing. It hurts badly when you call me a criminal. In the men's section of this prison, there are rooms where prisoners take classes, taught by inmates and guards. There are also two small libraries where they pore over faded books and a rundown computer room. But in the women's section, there is no library, no computers. There is little else but music. Until Ian Brennan came along, the women didn't have their own instruments, and they couldn't understand why he was interested in listening to their singing
7: at all. They really were believed that they were not singers or songwriters. I mean, they were pretty adamant about this. And, and just at the moment, I was getting pretty close to feeling like, well, you know, we, we tried. Uh, one person stepped forward and said, I've got a song.
5: And the
7: minute she did that, they literally lined up.
5: Rhoda
3: Matemang Ambe was one of those women who stepped forward. The song she wrote for the Zamba prison album is called I Am Alone.
5: What does that mean? I have no parents. I have no husband. And I'm here in prison, so I realize there's no one who can help me. So I ask God to help me. He's the only one who can guide me across this huge river.
3: Rhoda is serving a life sentence here in Zamba. She's in for murder.
7: Do you feel like you're glorifying criminals? No, 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 no. It's humanizing them. We're not glorifying them at all. Right. They've committed crimes. Many of them have learned from their experiences. This is about humanizing individuals, and that's for the benefit not of them. That's for the benefit of the listener.
3: The album Ian Brennan recorded at Zomba did not end up winning the Grammy this past year, and it hasn't turned a profit either. Brennan has paid the musicians, and they have a contract to receive more money if there are future earnings. When he showed up at Zamba with his wife, Marilena, in May to present the prisoners with some gifts and their Grammy nomination certificate, it was cause enough for celebration. Some of the singers, like Stefano Narenda, still had questions about what a Grammy award really was. Can
6: I ask a little question? Yeah, of course. This trophy, does it have any money inside of it, or is it just a small prize?
3: It's just a token. There's no money inside the inside the, the award. <laughs> Being nominated for a Grammy has not changed life for the inmates inside Zamba. <laughs> or for guards like Thomas Binamo living just outside the prison walls. But they are still writing music, and in September released a whole new album. It's called, I Will Not Stop Singing. Inside this prison, it's the only promise they have the power to keep.
2: I'm Steve Croft. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with a brand new edition of 60 Minutes.
1: If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, Tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey.
5: Why? Why?
1: If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit Cox.com com slash 5g home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Don't miss true crime anytime you want, anywhere you go with the 48 Hours podcast. Real crimes, like a John Grisham novel come to life. Real lives. He pointed a gun to me and
6: said, "This is the day you die." and he shot me real justice
1: there's some questions that have to be asked and need to be answered i'm an innocent man and i hope the whole world can see it now catch the latest episodes of 48 hours wherever you get your podcasts